fun. But um, also been doing uh, something new I'm going to tell you more about. But I've been getting out in the neighborhoods and just knocking on doors, trying to meet some of the neighbors. And so I've been working with, um, you know, our, at our pastor's meeting and John Myers giving us some advice. But just to try to proactively engage the neighbors, um, I think sometimes we can have the attitude if people come to us, then maybe our pastor will share the gospel with them. But it seemed like Jesus' design early on was, hey, guys, I want you to take it to them. And he wasn't even talking to the pastors. And so I've been trying to step out and engage the neighbors a little more. I've got a goal of trying to knock on 400 doors a week, just personally knock on them, invite them to church, introduce myself. By God's grace, I accomplished my goal this week and knocked on uh, 400 doors. But um, along the way, as a part of trying to have some fun and uh, keep things lively, I've noticed that a lot of people in the neighborhood have a lot of different signs on their doors that are either in favor or against people knocking on doors. Uh, this one, uh, here's one that uh, I like, this no soliciting one here. You might have seen this before. We're too broke to buy anything. We already know who we're voting for. We have found Jesus. Seriously, unless you're selling Thin Mints, please go away. Um, this one was not an uncommon one to have on the doors there. I thought about just for fun putting Thin Mints in my bag. Other ones substitute Thin Mints for cold beer. I thought if I could put some beer in my bag and some Thin Mints, I'd be more welcome with the neighbors here. Um, this is another one, a similar theme. Uh, good friends and good beer are always welcome. If we're not home, just leave the beer. So there's a few of those in this neighborhood. Uh, here's another classic one. It's one you always just love to see. Um, welcome to our home. Broncos fans out there. That's just, just near and dear to the heart. The season is warming up here. We are ready to take the Super Bowl again, right? Maybe not. Brian, Brian, what are our chances here? <laughs> one, in, one in ten. All right. Positive, huh? That's good. Uh, Let's see, here's another one here. This one's a nice, uh, this was a welcome mat here. Some of the welcome mats are interesting. Some of the signs are, this house runs on Jesus, coffee, and Amazon Prime. We still got to get Amazon Prime, but we got the other two. So uh, this one here, this was uh, maybe one of the not as friendly ones, but please do not ring the bell or knock. It upsets the dog, which upsets the baby, which ticks off the mom. So (laughs) that's not the word they use, but you get the idea. But I thought it was funny. She left her phone number right there. So I'm going to text her at some point and say, hey, by the way, I didn't knock, but I do want to invite you to church. So we'll see. Um, this one I thought was kind of funny, too. Um, doorbell broke and yelled, ding dong, really loud. <laughs> I thought that was, a guy came out eventually, I knocked on his door, and he came out, you know, when I was walking off. And so I invited him, and I said, by the way, hilarious welcome. <laughs> he looked at it, and I think he forgot what his welcome at said. <laughs> But uh, this one's a good one, too. These people uh, seem like they'd be friendly folks here. Come on in. We are awesome. <laughs> Life has made a choice. I think it says something. Remove your shoes or scrub the floor. So but, uh, was, uh, so there's a lot, of, a lot of fun ones out there. It's been fun engaging the neighbors. You know, I think, um, uh, you know, knocking on 400 doors, in some ways, you know, I'm, I'm praying as I knock. You know, Jesus said, ask. And the will be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, the door will be open. A lot of doors are open. Um, but I think he also talked about in the New Testament about opening a door of faith to the Gentiles. And I'm just praying that God would open up a door of faith in this neighborhood of people getting saved. And you guys can join me in praying for that. Um, you know, I'm hoping in some ways knock on 400 doors. What's the percentage of people that will show up here? Well, if you look around, 
percentage is zero right now this morning. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, as I was talking to, to John Meyer and my co-pastors and stuff as well, um, you know, one of the things we talked about was that God often is looking for our faith and our obedience as an expression of love. Sometimes we're looking for the results. Hey, I knocked on 400 doors. Where's the people? But I think God's going, it took faith to do that. It took love to do that. It was obedience to do that. And there's reward in that. Now, people may come. They may not. But but as I went out there, I did. I, I was praying, Lord, show me where you're at work in our neighborhood. And uh, first day I was out this week, there was a place where I'd gone for a couple hours. was getting tired and hot and, and I knocked on this one door and the guy said yeah we go to southeast you know big church here in town and he was real friendly um but then I, I walked back all the way down the street and then came back and it was about an hour and a half later and he's like hey you're still knocking on doors he went to his car he was driving off and I'm like yeah I'm still knocking on doors um but then he left and he came back and he, he came up to me you know he said how's it been going and then he just he reached out an ice cold coca-cola and I was like, I was hot and I was tired and I wasn't seeing much. And I just about cried. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Just bless this guy. Bless his socks off for being so kind. And about a, a minute or two later, that one of the next houses I went to, I knocked on the door, introduced myself, said, is there anything I can pray for you? I'm praying for the neighborhood. And this woman said, you know, funny you should come here. My brother committed suicide last month. And all of us as siblings are having a hard time dealing with it. Can you pray for me? Pray for my youngest sister, especially. She's having a real hard time. So she invited me in. I prayed for her, prayed for her family. But, you know, God's moving out there. Whether they're coming to us, he has called us to go to them. Um, think of another one. We're out there. Uh, let's see, I was out on maybe Thursday. And, again, right now, just started closer to the church and working my way out. But someone just across the street, not too far, probably from where you guys used to live, where the Noonans are there, but knocked on this door, and this girl was there, and, you know, it's telling her the spiel of, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm introducing myself. I invite you to join us. Can I pray for you? And she's like, yeah, you can pray for me. And I was like, what can I pray for? She's like, you can pray for my fish. I was like, okay, I'll pray for your fish. But uh, she has some big, evidently big dory fish that she's transferring from one aquarium to a larger one. She's afraid she's going to kill them. Her cats are watching them, things like this. And so, uh, so I prayed for her. And she said, you know, don't be surprised if you see me sometime at church. And, and we'll see. But then I was out yesterday knocking on doors, and I was talking to this lady and her husband, and she said, uh, were you out the other day in the neighborhood? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I think you talked to my friend. And I was like, what's your friend's name? She's like, Aaron. I was like, oh, yeah, with the fish. And she's like, yes, with the fish. And so it was funny, this girl that I was just met, and she said my friend Aaron, her name was also Aaron, and her husband's name is Garen. And <laughs> And she was taking care of a turtle at the time. So it's uh, we got some interesting people in the neighborhood here. But uh, anyways, um, you know, I think uh, next week, just to give you a heads up, we're going to talk a little more about um, maybe some of the faith steps God wants us to take as a church to engage this neighborhood with the gospel. Um, faith steps that maybe we'll see the results from, maybe we won't. But I think that God is looking to see the faith in. And so we're going to talk more about that this next uh, Sunday. And Lay some things out, some plans that God might have for us for the next couple months, kind of the transition from summer to fall. I don't know if we want to leave the summer quite yet, but uh, but anyways, you can be praying about that. We're going to have a few meetings with some leaders and going to be seeking the Lord even this week on what exactly to share on Sunday. There's different facets to it all, but you guys can just join me in praying. Wednesday night at Life Group, we'll have a meal and we're going to be praying again related to 
some of the things the Lord has for us here. But anyways, just some updates on what's, what God's been doing in, in my world. And um, we'll pray, and then we're going to look at this passage here, and, and we'll call it a morning. But uh, let's just pray one more time here. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this morning. Thank you for the chance just to come together with our brothers and sisters and worship you. That we know that um, church is especially a place for believers to gather to worship you and be encouraged as they seek to carry the mission out in the places where where people aren't coming to church. Lord, and we just pray you'd help us to proactively go with the gospel, to engage the neighbors, to love on neighbors. Um, I pray you'd help us to invite those we do know because there's a lot more relational currency there but we're just looking to you we want to obey you we want to follow you we want to carry out your vision for our church um this morning as we look at your word i pray you'd open our eyes to see things you want us to see to obey maybe what you want us to obey to change where where that's needed as well but we just ask you for this grace lord we ask you for your spirit to move through your word we pray this together in the name of jesus christ amen all right, well, we're going to, you got your hand out here. Um, really, what we're going to do this morning is going to look at this passage. It's, uh, I think it's only five verses. Uh, yeah, five verses. And um, there's a list at the bottom of things that you can take home with, with you. Check it out. We're really not going to go in detail about that. But it is ways to kind of application steps to what we're talking about today. So um, but we'll go ahead and really this passage breaks into kind of three chunks, three uh, facets here, and so we're going to look at each of these three sections and try to draw an application and, and see what what God might want us to do here. So uh, I'm just going to read this first chunk here, the first three verses. So let's just, you guys can follow along, but um, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we're just going to look at a, a few a few facets of, of this here. Um, you know, in some ways, there's a, we might be familiar with this passage. You might have read this, heard this before. But one of the things I wanted to start off with is really in the first two verses here, there's two straight-up commands, two things that Jesus said, hey, by the way, if you're my disciples, you're gathered here on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I want to tell you some things about how to relate to your treasure, how to relate to your money. First thing he says, by the way, here's something to, to obey. Don't store up your treasure on earth. It's a command. Sometimes we can take it as a suggestion or an opinion. Some of the things in this passage we're going to have to go away with and wrestle. And we go, hey, if that's really what he's saying, and I really say I want to follow him, something's got to give. And that's what I've come away wrestling with this week. I'm like, well, I think this is what he's saying, and, and I really do want to follow him. And, oh, wow, this is the hard part is to do that. And so well, let's talk about what he was trying to say here. So um, first thing I want to do is just give you a definition um, of treasure, at least from Webster's. A couple different thoughts on that definition of treasure. One says wealth, such as money, jewels, precious metals, stored up or hoarded. Uh, Example, buried treasure. Another is wealth of any kind in any form, 
Riches is a synonym for that. Another one just says a store of money in reserve. This one is a little more general, but I think it hits hits on the head here. It says uh, something of great worth or value. Last one it gives is just a collection of precious things. But something of great value, something you store up, something that is riches to you. So, um, But basically he says don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't have these stored up on earth. And then he, he gives a he gives a why. You know, he goes on here and just says, why? Because moth and rust will destroy or thieves will break in and steal. And so, um, you know, I just thought it'd be good for us to think through what are some examples of places we can store up treasures on earth, uh, money or wealth on earth, and then what are the ways, you know, we don't probably deal with moths as much as they did back in the days. Maybe we deal with a little bit of rust or, or things like that, but um, what are some places we can have our treasure, our wealth stored or invested in? Maybe just for a small enough group we can have a little discussion. What are some places you can put your wealth? Your house, yeah. Real estate is a broader category, but your house. Other things? 401 ks Broader thing there is if even the stock market in general. A lot of 401ks are just a subset of the entire stock market. Um, other places we put our treasures or store up. Collectibles, Collectibles yep. Things that are antiques, valuables, hobbies. Uh, sometimes we can store up uh, gold, gold bullion. And we've got a collection of gold out there, silver. Mm-hmm. We've got silver, not so much gold. We've got some gold. Um, you know, but those are some things that, you know, just thinking through, well, how, how can the moths or uh, rust, really it's, it's ways you can devalue something uh, to the point of having no value. I'm just thinking of some different stories here. Real estate, any of you ever seen markets where real estate's really high and then it goes really low? Uh, there's places, that, you know, I think of places like even Detroit right now has, it, it had a nice market, nice economy, things were going good, and eventually when their industry there crashed, there's houses you can buy, probably the same size of houses here in Parker, you know, you could get them for $10,000, which was really nice, and, and so, I mean, the, the value in that could just tank at any time, think about some of the things you hear, I don't know if you guys listen to K-Love or radio stations that tell the news, but, you know, recently there was a giant sinkhole in Florida, and I said it was like 200 feet wide, and they didn't know how deep yet. I don't think they'd measured it. But two homes had fallen into a sinkhole to never be recovered again. Um, but at one point, they probably had value. They probably Zillow probably said it's worth $500,000 right here, and then it's worth nothing. And and so there's things like that. The stock markets, um, you know, there's obviously highs and lows and, and things. Um, I think uh, I was looking up some of the biggest losses. There was one, I think it was 9-11. Day after 9-11, stock market had the sixth worst, worst crash it ever had in its history after 9-11. Stock market, to me, some people invest and they make money there, but I kind of get a little leery of, you know, that you're, you're investing in this world, but you don't see any of what you have. And someday someone could say, hey, by the way, we pulled the plug on this whole market and and you don't have anything. You got some paper or something, but I think about how the terrorist attack affected the stock market. But what happens if things were worse? What happens if they brought things down? And and then you're like, but I had all my money there. Uh, that's that's not a safe place. It's a place that has the opportunity to be destroyed or a thief to take it or something along that lines. And so um, sometimes precious metals is another place we can put our, 
our money. Gold, one of the reasons gold is a, a, a good place to invest in, in you know, some senses is that it's, uh, one, obviously there's not a lot of it on the planet. So because it's limited in supply, the demand and the price is high for that. But another thing is gold doesn't, uh, gold is not very reactive with things. It doesn't, uh, salt water doesn't affect it. Oxygen doesn't rust it. It's very uh, non-reactive. And so one of the reasons why it's valuable is because you can have it for a really, really, really long time and it stays in, in good condition. But um, one of the problems with that, say, well, rust isn't going to get to that. The moths aren't going to eat your gold. But what can happen? The other one, he says, a thief. A thief will take it from you. There's a way that, hey, it's in great condition. Thanks. I'll take that. Um, so there's just a lot of different reasons why Jesus said, hey, by the way, if you're investing in this temporary world, be careful. Don't do that. Don't store up here, guys. And so that's just one of the first things we got to come away with. You might circle it. If you got um, your pen with you, you might just circle don't. Jesus said, hey, you follow me. i got something for you to not do. Don't store up your treasures here on earth. Um, you know, one of the last things I just want to share on this point here is just, um, at least on, on the, the don't part, these, the thoughts here are going to kind of blend together. But uh, one of the other ones I think about, about a thief, you know, a thief comes and takes things. You wish you could have it back. But Jesus talked about a thief in another context as well. You guys remember what he talked about related to a thief? What's that? The devil is a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Another context. When he comes back, his return will be, he said, like a thief. And it's not that Jesus is a bad guy or steals, but his return is going gonna, gonna to steal your opportunity to witness to the loss. It's going to steal your opportunity to liquidate. You know, you might have assets. You might have equity. You might, you know, there's going to be a day where if Jesus were to come back today, the number of assets that would be lost and left in this world to never be transferred to heaven again would be, in, in this room alone, would be measured in millions. The number of assets that would be lost. And, and so there's some things he said, hey guys, it's going to happen like a thief. Uh, this same parallel passage in Luke, he, he includes that whole section. He says, by the way, if you knew when it was going to happen, you'd be ready. And he says, Luke 12:40, you also must be ready for the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. To me, out of all the stuff here, I, I could wrestle with the most is, is that one. Is I go, yeah, we don't have a lot of treasures. We don't have hardly any gold. I mean, I, I guess we could sell off Morgan's jewelry. <laughs> she didn't have much gold. She got a little platinum and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, we have equity in our home, and we've been blessed with how God's helped in that world. But if he came back, it's all gone. You know, there's no chance to invest it. Sometimes you think about even the rapture happens in seven years of tribulation, and there'll be people getting saved, and God will be doing things. But we'll have no money in play at that time. Um, and a lot of people will lose a lot. And, and I think that's something that I think about. I think about a lot. The more we see earthquakes happening here and there, wars and rumors of wars. And I just wonder if we have to be more aware of that thief than, than any of the other ones um, that he mentioned specifically in this passage. He mentions those and other passages here. But just something to think about. Next one he says is, um, we'll just keep moving here. Store up your treasures. Let's, uh, oh yeah, it's still on the thing. Store up your treasures in heaven. This is a, don't do this, but do this. Store them up in heaven. And, you know, um, again, and he says, why? Why? Because anything you send to heaven, um, it's not going to perish. It's not going to rest. It's not going to be stolen. 
You know, a couple of quotes I like along uh, the lines of sending things to heaven. Uh, one of them, I think it's John Wesley, said that you, you know, we come into this world with nothing, we leave with nothing. You can't take any of your wealth with you, but you can send it on ahead. Things that you've been given, you can transfer that. You can make a transaction from the earthly, the temporary, to the eternal, the heavenly. And, and really, this list that's at the bottom of your page is just six ways you can transfer your wealth from here to there while you have the ability to. Another one says, uh, I think this was in um, William MacDonald, who wrote True Discipleship, just says this about a Christian when he dies. He just says a Christian either leaves his wealth, like when you die, you either leave your wealth or you go to it. So when you die, will you be leaving your wealth or will you be going to it? Depends on where you have invested. Um, so we could spend a lot more time on, on how to store that up in heaven. And again, those there's there's entire passages devoted to that, which this he just says, by the way, do this. He doesn't go into detail at this point, but he does say, hey, because it's imperishable, because it's eternally secure, no one's going to break into this. Um, the next one here we want to hit on a little bit more, but um, wherever your treasure is, there... Um, the desires of your heart will be also, uh, is, I think that's the new living there, but wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, just something to think about here is, okay, so you're going to store up treasure on earth, or you're going to store it up in heaven. Okay, we get that. We can figure out what to do. But Jesus also said, hey, by the way, you probably need to just do a quick assessment of where your treasure is currently. And, and he says, one of the ways you can be able to tell your treasure is where your heart goes. It's what you think about. It's where your money goes. It's where your time goes. That is where your treasure is right now. Now, we all know it's supposed to go to heaven. We all know it's not supposed to be on earth. And we all know we got a lot of things that are caught up in this world. And, and that's something that um, we, need to, we need to think about. At the pastor's conference this year, they had a teaching that related to, to finances and money and things like that. But one of the convicting things, it was Mark Bowen, a pastor out in Minneapolis, but he said this, he says, whatever your heart most treasures, you'll spend your money on effortlessly. Whatever your heart most treasures, you'll spend your money effortlessly. There are no questions asked. I do that. That gets the money. Other things, you know, we try to we'll, we'll work on our budget here, but there's places where money just goes effortlessly. Those places, whether it's your house, whether it's your hobbies, whether it's your investments, whether it's your financial security, wherever your money goes effortlessly, your heart's there and your treasure's there. And that's very convicting. That's very challenging. As I came away with that going, oh, there's places where I go. You know, sometimes it, it might be places in your budget where you go, I can change this and I can shrink this, but I'm not budging on this one. And a lot of times there's a lot of self and a lot of earthly, fleshly, worldly stuff built into that. And But wherever... Your heart, most treasures, you'll spend your money on effortlessly. Again, where your thoughts go, where your time goes, where your money goes, that's, that's, where, that's where your heart is. The uh, Message Bible says it like this. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Where your treasure is where you most want to be. It's where your thoughts gravitate towards. It's what you daydream about. It's where you want to be. It's, it's what might motivate you drive you and we've got to all watch watch for that I, I think it was a there's two commands to obey don't store up here do store up in heaven and this is just something i think we need to know your treasure 
your heart's there. You treasure your heart. Um, very clear from Scripture. And we'll keep on going here. Um, this next section, uh, just two verses here, but he, it's on the same subject and yet a different facet. He says, "Where your eyes are windows into your body. If you're, uh, if you open your eyes, and, and this is a, you've got yours on the on the handout here. We'll just read it there first, and we'll read the message. But the eye is the lamp to the body. Uh, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? But you might just circle. You circle a few word eyes, and good, and bad." And darkness. The couple words that Jesus specifically uses about this, and um, you know, I think the King James uses a uses it a little differently here. It says, uh, "If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light." Uh, it's talking about having a single focus. Where, where do you where do you see? What are you singularly focused on? And and Jesus basically says, "Is is it in heaven or is it on earth?" But where you focus determines good or bad. Um, you've probably heard the quote said before. I don't know if you've heard the quote, but your your eyes are the window into your soul. Anyone ever heard that? You know, there's something about, uh, and maybe people of discernment, maybe some of you feel that you're, you're that way, but if you look at someone in the eyes, sometimes you can go, I know what's going on. Whoa, ah, wow. You know, and you can see lust, and you can see greed, and you can see pride. And you could see it in the eyes. And Jesus is saying, hey, if your eyes are, if your eyes aren't good, inside's not good. Um, and, and so we have to watch. The heart of what he's talking about is, is greed and lust for things of this world. Your eye, what you focus on, what you're looking to, gives away what's going on in your heart, what you're longing for, what you desire, what your greed or lust might be for. Is it for heaven? Is it for here, things here on earth? And, um, so again, that idea of single focus, you know, sometimes in a, in a funny sense here, you know, in some ways it can be like your eyesight. You can either be nearsighted or farsighted. How many of you nearsighted in here? That means you can see things up close. Well, yeah, I'm naturally nearsighted and my wife is naturally farsighted and nearsighted. She sees perfectly. But, um, you know, either, either you have one or the other. But in this case, I think when you're thinking only on the earthly, it's kind of like nearsighted. I see the here and now. I feel my needs and pressures and burdens now might even be considered short-sighted because being far-sighted is thinking about eternity. What's going to happen when this life is done? And I think the point he's saying about a single eye is you're either looking at things in the here and now or you're looking at things to come, but you can't do both. If you do both, what happens if your eye, you got one eye going this way, one eye going that way? Cross-eyed, yes. And speaking of which, um, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a chameleon. We've gone to PetSmart here in Castle Rock, and they have the cutest little chameleon. We went there once, Rory and I, and uh, this chameleon just was so adorable. But it's got one eye going, doing this thing, and one eye doing this thing. And, you know, here's another picture of something like that. But, you know, as Christians, if you have an eye, you think, yeah, i got to take care of the here and now. And I'm thinking about heaven. You know what happens? You look a lot like this guy. You get a little bit cross-eyed. You can't do both. I mean, a chameleon can, but God has given us eyes to see one thing or another, and unfortunately, I think a lot of us are disciples of Jesus, might be a little bit cross-eyed, might be going like, yeah, I can do both, you know, eternity, yeah, I think about that, but boy, I got things in the here and now. Sometimes it'd be like, I haven't even figured out retirement, much less eternity. Um, 
Well, both of those are tied to life on earth, and, and heaven is tied about things beyond that. It's about things beyond that. So anyways, we have to, you know, the other thing, though, there's nearsighted and farsighted, but what words did Jesus use on this? This is a little more challenging. He didn't say, hey, you're either nearsighted or you're farsighted. What did he say? You're looking at things either with a good eye or an evil eye. You know, you're looking, it wasn't just near or far. You know, it's really nice to be nearsighted. It's bad to be farsighted or whatever. He's saying, hey, look, guys, one of these is actually good and one of these is evil. And by the way, if you don't see it, how much more darkness is in you because you're not seeing eternity. And we have to be careful of that as Christians. I've had a number of conversations as a pastor where people go, yeah, I just don't think about eternity. What I do is not related to that. I just... I'm taking care of business, you know, and I'm doing the next right thing or whatever it is. But if you don't think about eternity, all of your choices are based on what? The here and now. And Jesus would say that's short-sighted. He would say that's bad. That's darkness. And we've got to watch out for being like that, guys. And I tell you, I'm, I still am wrestling with this as we go here. Um, this last part here. Uh, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'd be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So just, uh, you might circle on this one. Um, you might circle love. You might circle devoted. You might circle masters. But in this context, he's talking about... Uh, Loving, devotion, where does your affection go? Because wherever your heart goes, it goes to your master. All these words, serve, love, devoted, these all relate to the object of our worship. And it really is basically saying, hey, look, guys, there's two choices in what you're going to worship here. You're going to worship God or you're going to worship money. And he could have pitted any two things against each other. He could have pitted relationships. He could have pitted, you know, drugs or lust or whatever. But right here he says, here's two things that... Uh, are mutually exclusive. You're going to worship and serve God, you're going to have a wholehearted devotion here, or you're going to worship and serve money. And in many ways, it's my observation that you'll use one of these to worship the other. Sometimes we try to use uh, our money, first purpose of our money is to worship God. Sometimes we try to take God and use Him in the worship of our money and the thing that money brings us, the happiness, the convenience, the satisfaction of it all um so you can only have one or the other here um again at our pastor's conference that was a challenging thought that was thrown out mark bowen uh, i think uh if we, i don't know if we can all get to that i might try to put a link up on our website but he, he just talked about that idea that the first the first purpose of our money is worship and he just talked about how the verses you know this i think there's a couple verses on the handout here but you know um if you read point one, it just says, present to the Lord's portion the best and the holiest part of everything given to you. Numbers, uh, that's Numbers 18, 29. Proverbs say, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. But he just, he went through verse and verse and verse about how the first thing our money is for is for worship. And, you know, that, I mean, it depends on, if you're trying to go, okay, what, which is my master here? God says the first thing your money is to be used for is the act of worship. Money says, uh, wait a minute, I can't do that. Uh, I've got bills to pay. I've got things. I can't put God first. I can't give this to God first because 
It doesn't work in the laws of money. You can't serve both. At some point, you've got to decide who's, who's going to be your master. Money will be calling the shots, or God's going to be calling the shots. But they both can't be calling the shots because the things that God says to do with your money is going to be different. You know, Bible talks over and over again about being generous. Being generous with your money. Well, if money is your God, you've got to be tight-fisted because you've got to make more money, and you need more. And, and, but God says, hey, by the way, be loose-fisted with your money. Give it away. Be generous with it. By the way, I'll, I'll take care of your generosity. It's one way to send it on ahead. Be generous with what God's given you. Especially, Jesus talks about, especially in situations where people can't repay you. Now, sometimes we're like, I'll be generous to you because they're generous to me. We kind of do this back and forth thing. But Jesus said, hey, especially when you can help someone, give to someone in a way that they can never repay you, that's going to be tracked in your eternal account in heaven. And we've got to watch for that. But, um, you know, again, pastors, kind of just a few fun things. One, he talked about uh, sometimes we can approach God and our money and our treasures and be like, God gets the leftovers. You know, God, when I'm done meeting all my needs here, legitimate needs, I'll give you what's left. And he said, you know, we aren't supposed to give our leftovers to God. We're supposed to give our firstovers to God and, and, and trust that he'll take care of the rest. But that requires faith, you know. And um, But anyways, uh, we're just going to wrap up with this here. Again, I think there's a flow. All three of these passages seem to be interrelated. One is where you're storing up your treasures. Two, um, because, you know, where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. But where your heart is, your, your eyes are going to be there. You're going to be looking to things of this earth or things of heaven. But you can't do both unless you want to go cross-eyed. But lastly, where your heart is, where your eyes are, that's where your master is. That's where your worship is. Obviously, our worship is to be of God. That's what we all want. And, but I do think maybe my goal in this is to let you and I go and wrestle this out. We've got to wrestle. Jesus is real clear. Don't store up here. Store up in heaven. Uh, and you know, you and I are like, if we want to follow him, we got to decide. It makes sense. It's pretty, it's pretty understandable. If we want to do it, most of us have things that got to change. I know I do, and uh, and you probably do too. But anyways, let's just go ahead and uh, close in prayer. Maybe Johnny, if you don't mind, we get that song up here again, and uh, I think that's a great one just to sing to where our eyes are looking and to who our master is, and we'll get. Um, We'll get that slideshow pulled up here. I mean, that PowerPoint. But I'll go ahead and pray. And I'll plug this in over here. Okay. Well, Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you again for your thoughts on this subject. And, and Lord, we just tell you humbly, we need your help. God, I, I know I've got things I treasure, I value that are going to be a waste of time when it's all accounted for. And, God, I know each one of us are doing it. We just ask you to help us. Help us to follow you. Help us to have you alone be our master. Help us to worship you. Have our affections on the things that uh, concern you, serve you. We just tell you we need your help on this. We need your grace on this. And we want to look to you until you be gracious to help us in this. We pray this together this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.